please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Hey, there is very, very adult content ahead, and you have been warned. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. As always, I'm your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, we're going to be exploring a very strange but oh-so-interesting subject of time slips. But what exactly is a time slip? Well, it's not your paycheck. Sorry, guys. Try again. A time slip is an alleged paranormal phenomenon in which a person or a group of people travel through time into the supernatural rather than technological means. As with all paranormal phenomena, the objective reality of such experience is disputed. But you know what? We're going to get into definitions and meanings soon enough. Because that's right, we have business to attend to first. As always, we will be playing our drinking game, but again, only for those of you that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. For tonight's libation, well, that'll be up to you. Preferably, any alcohol that makes you lose some time. Now for the game part. Every time I say time, well, that's going to be a single shot, and every time I say future, that'll be a double shot. Alright guys, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma. And, well, because when else will I ever have the opportunity to do this? Let's do the time warp again! Alright, I won't sing anymore, sorry about that. (laughs) The subject of time has always intrigued us. Is it as set as we have always believed? Or does time loop back on itself, giving us a glimpse of a shadowy past out of the corner of our eyes? Was it just our imagination that made us believe that we had seen an object or a building change right before our very eyes, and seem as though we might have stepped back into the past? Time machines might only be available in the movies, yet many people have experienced unexplained events that seem to be temporary but very real slips into the past or future. So, what date would you go back to if you could travel through time? Would you watch the pyramids of Egypt being built? Join the spectacle of a gladiator battle at the Roman Colosseum? catch a glimpse of a real-life dinosaur? Or would you prefer to see what the future holds for mankind? Such fantasies have fueled the success of such stories as H.G. Wells' The Time Machine and the Back to the Future movies and even Doctor Who and countless science fiction novels. 
Although some scientists think that it might be at least theoretically possible to travel through time, no one, well, as far as we know, has devised a surefire way to make it happen. That's not to say that people haven't reported traveling through time. There are many fascinating anecdotes from people who claim to have visited, if only briefly, a time outside of the present. These strange events, often called time slippages, seem to occur randomly and spontaneously. Those who experience them are often bewildered and confused by what they see and hear, and afterward are at a complete loss to explain what happened to them. The time slip theory works from the premise that time is fluid rather than fixed. And anybody who's a Doctor Who fan, this is where we get into the timey-wimey experience. Time is not linear as we experience it, but exists within a context of a single point of space. It is a term usually applied when a period of time, maybe minutes or even years, appears to have been lost inexplicably by one or more people and is most commonly associated with a paranormal or extraterrestrial occurrence. Many people have reported such an experience during a journey when the, la the last reliable reference remembered of time is that of a clock striking or a news report on the radio, only to find that the next time the individual becomes fully aware of time, more time than expected has elapsed in contradiction to what would have been expected. The individual is then unable to account for that lost time. I have five days that I cannot account for, but I'm blaming it on Jose Cuervo. That's right, tequila. Although many scientists would argue that time cannot be lost, but merely confused, for the people that experience this phenomena, it can be far from easily explained as a lapse of concentration, or a period of drowsiness, or even sleep. If true, it's not hard to believe a person could slip from one point in time to another, kind of the way we in our normal day would move from one room to another in our own home. As such, the image of an apparently very solid personality moving through a mansion completely oblivious to the presence of the observer might, may not be paranormal, but a snapshot from an earlier time that somehow played to the observer. This actually could explain ghosts that are residual haunts or even manifestations. Residual, of course, is where the spirit does the same thing every time that it's seen or heard. It's kind of like a film just playing over and over and over again. You know, like your kids play that same DVD over and over and over again. If I see a Teletubby, I'm going to shoot them. Are they just oblivious to our world? Not because they're dead, but because they somehow stepped out of time? How this could happen is still not known, but could explain how ordinary, rational people reported being surrounded by ancient times for minutes or even hours. And maybe it could even explain spirits that are dressed in period clothing. And I don't know about you, but I think this theory is fascinating. And it could possibly explain things like the Bermuda Triangle. You know, maybe the ships and airplanes have simply just time jumped to another dimension. This theory could also account for the occasional ghost ship at sea. Maybe it's from a different time and simply just crossed into ours momentarily. But this theory is just that, a theory. 
because nobody can actually prove or disprove it to account for anything paranormal, it still does give us something to think about as we continue to research. Is it possible that time is really fluid rather than fixed? Why is there no explanation? It's not very complex and there has to be a reason, an explanation for it all. Edison, Einstein, Galileo, they all had noted paranormal experiences and still the paranormal is seen as a joke science. Edison took it as far as building a radio that he believed would be able to communicate with the dead. It's not junk science. Can it maybe be a higher power keeping the answer hidden? Or is it that there is a simple answer and we're just looking too hard for this complex answer to be able to justify or even discount that this is even a possibility? Besides, this is just a theory, and it is too complex and has very, very many flaws, but it's still very intriguing and interesting. Why? Well, because we're accustomed to time moving from past to present to future, yet is time always linear? Well, we have a few stories to question that very premise for you. So here are a few true stories of experience of time and space anomalies, and then you can tell me what you think about it. Our first one is a flight into the future. In 1935, Air Marshal Sir Robert Victor Goddard of the British Royal Air Force had a harrowing experience in his Hawker Hart biplane. Yeah, say that five times fast. You guys know that I have not been drinking yet. <laughs> Goddard was a wing commander at the time, and while on a flight from Edinburgh, Scotland to his home base in Andover, England, he decided to fly over an abandoned airfield at Drim, not far from Edinburgh. This, the useless airfield was overgrown with foliage, the hangars were falling apart, and cows were even grazing where planes had once been parked. After passing over it, Goddard encountered a bizarre storm. He lost control of his plane in the high winds and began to spiral toward the ground. Narrowly averting a crash, Goddard found that his plane was heading back toward Drem. As he approached the old airfield, the storm suddenly vanished. Goddard's plane was now flying in brilliant sunshine. This time, as he flew over the Drim airfield, it looked completely different. The hangars appeared new. There were four airplanes on the ground. Three were familiar biplanes, but painted in an unfamiliar yellow. The fourth was a monoplane, which the RAF didn't have in 1935. The mechanics were dressed in blue overalls, which Goddard thought odd since all RAF mechanics dressed in brown. It was strange, too, that none of the mechanics seemed to notice him as he flew over the airfield. Leaving the area, he began. He once again passed through the storm, but managed to make his way back to Andover. It wasn't until 1939 that the RAF painted its planes yellow, enlisted a monoplane of the type that Goddard saw, and switched its mechanics uniforms to blue. Had Goddard somehow flown four years into the future and then returned to his own time? We'll never know. Our next story is Caught in a Temporal Vortex. Dr. Raul Rios Centeno, 
a medical doctor and an investigator of the paranormal, recounted to author Scott Corrales a story told to him by one of his patients, a 30-year-old woman who came to him with a serious case of hemiplegia, the total paralysis of one side of the body. She told him, I was at a campground in the vicinity of Markahusi. Markahusi is the famous stone forest located about 35 miles east of Lima, Peru. She continued, I went out exploring late at night with some friends. Oddly enough, we heard strains of music and noticed a small torch-lit stone cabin. I was able to see people dancing inside, but upon getting closer, I felt a sudden sensation of cold, and I stuck my head through an open door. It was then that I saw the occupants were clad in 17th century fashion. I tried to enter the room, but one of my girlfriends pulled me out. It was at that moment that half of the woman's body became paralyzed. Was it because her friend pulled her out of the stone cabin while she was halfway inside? Or was half her body caught in some temporal vortex or dimensional doorway? Dr. Centeno reported that an EEG was able to show that the left hemisphere of the brain did not show signs of normal functioning, as well as an abnormal amount of electric waves. Interesting. So concrete proof that something definitely happened. Now we're going to a highway to the past. In October 1969, a man that will identify as L.C. and his business associate, Charlie, were driving north from Abbeville, Louisiana, toward Lafayette on Highway 167. By the way, I have driven this highway many, many a time. And let me tell you, it's kind of freaky. As they were driving along the nearly empty road, they began to overtake what appeared to be an antique car traveling very slowly. The two men were impressed by the mint condition of the nearly 30-year-old car. In fact, it looked virtually new. And puzzled by its bright orange license plate, which said only 1940, they figured that the car must be part of some antique auto show. As they passed the slow-moving vehicle, they slowed to get a good look at the old model. The driver of the car was a young woman dressed in vintage 1940s clothing, and her passenger was a small child likewise dressed. The woman seemed panicked and confused. Elsie asked if she needed help, and through her rolled-up window indicated yes. Elsie motioned for her to pull off to the side. The businessman then pulled ahead of the old car and turned onto the shoulder of the road. When he and Charlie got out, well, the old car vanished without a trace. There was nowhere the vehicle could have gone. Moments later, another car pulled up. The driver told Elsie and Charlie that he had seen their car pull off to the side and that the old car simply vanished into thin air. How'd you like to see that happen? I would. And now, from the past, we go to a future roadhouse. One night in 1972, four students from Southern Utah University were driving back to their dorm in Cedar City after spending the day at a rodeo in Nevada. It was about 10 p.m., and the girls, well, they were eager to get back to their dorm before curfew. They were traveling along Highway 56, which happens to have the reputation for being haunted. 
They turned off onto a road going north, and a little while later were surprised to see that the black asphalt beneath them had turned into a white cement road, leading directly to a cliff face. They turned around and tried to find their way back to the highway, but soon become, became concerned about the unfamiliar landscape. Red canyon walls that gave way to open fields and pine trees, which they had never encountered before in this part of the state. The girls were relieved when they finally found themselves approaching a roadhouse. They pulled into the parking lot, and one of the students poked her head out of the window to get directions from one of the men coming out of the building. Suddenly, she screamed, and she ordered the driver to get out of there fast. As the girls sped off, they realized they were being chased by men in strange egg-shaped vehicles. By the time they reached the canyon, they seemed to have lost the pursuers and found their way back to the familiar desert highway. The reason for the scream? Well, the girl said the men weren't human. Ah, oh, I can't wait for that one. All right, and now we're going to take a little time warp. No, I'm not going to sing again. I'm going to save your ears. This time it's a hotel time warp. Two British couples vacationing in the north of France were driving, looking for a place to stay for the night. It was 1979. As they drove, they noticed signs that seemed to be advertising a very old-fashioned circus. The first building they came to looked like it might be a motel, but the men standing in front of it told the travelers that it was actually an inn and that a hotel could be found down the road. Further on, they did find an old-fashioned building marked Hotel. Inside, they discovered almost everything was made of heavy wood, and there were no modern conveniences like telephones. The rooms didn't even have any locks, just a simple wooden latch. And the windows had wooden shutters, but no glass. In the morning, while the travelers were eating breakfast, two police officers entered wearing very old-fashioned caped uniforms. After getting what turned out to be very bad directions to Avignon, the couples paid a bill that came only to 19 francs, and they left. After two weeks in Spain, the couples made a return trip through France and decided to again stay at the interesting, if odd, but very cheap hotel. This time, however, the hotel could not be found. Certain that they were in the exact same spot, they saw the same circus posters, they realized that the old hotel had completely vanished without a trace. Photos taken at the hotel could not be developed, and a little research revealed that French police officers had stopped wearing caped uniforms in 1905. Interesting, interesting. And now, we're going to move a little north to London, my favorite town in all the world. And for a little London time slip. Ronnie was living in London, and it was late October 1969. He was walking home late one Saturday night and had to walk through an underpass which was under the busy North Circular Road. It was cold and it was late and he was surprised to see five kids down there collecting pennies for the guy. You know, Guy Fox Day. Being as firework night, the 5th of November was soon upon them. These kids should not have been out that late seeing as the oldest girl was maybe about 12 years old and all the others were quite younger. But Ronnie was shocked by their clothes. Their attire could have come straight out of the 1920s or 1930s London. 
and their speech could have been taken straight from a Charles Dickens novel. One young boy said, That other gent, Mia Florin. At his age, there's no way he could have known what a florin was. That's an old English word for a a coin worth about two shillings. This was the late 1960s, after all, and kids certainly did not use words like gent anymore. Geezer or maybe bloke, but not gent. Then the young girl approached Ronnie, saying, Evening, sir. Penny for the guy, please, sir. Her politeness shocked Ronnie, but he said he didn't have any money. She slid her arm through his and ran her hand down his sleeve, saying, Yes, you do, sir. You're a fine gent. You do have money. Ronnie assured her he didn't have and just expected her to have a rude response, but she replied, Okay, thank you, sir, and you have a good evening. Ronnie knew he had to give the kids something, so he pulled a silver sixpence from his pocket and threw her the coin, and she gave a thank you with a beaming smile. Ronnie's experience lingered in his mind, and he kept wondering, who were those kids from the past? Were they ghosts? Or had he slipped in time? And, you know, we've got enough of the international flair, so I had to throw a couple of them in there from the good old U.S. of A. So we're going to do a dimension shift in Tacoma. Gary was walking in downtown Tacoma, Washington, one evening around 9 o'clock. It was April 1976. It was on his way to meet a friend at a particular intersection that they had agreed upon. He was an enlisted Army private stationed at Fort Lewis. As he walked, he started wondering what time it was, so he was looking at the nearest store to find the time. Across the street, there was a walk-in movie theater, and he figured, well, that's a good place as any. Let's go there. Then the weirdest thing happened. He started to cross the street, And the next thing he knew, he was standing in front of the ticket counter inside the theater lobby. He had a ferocious headache, and his legs felt unsteady. He bowed and started rubbing his forehead. After a minute or so, he heard a gasp and looked up, and there was a very pretty girl on the other side of the counter with a very surprised look on her face. She asked how he got in. With a throbbing pain in his head, he didn't know how to answer her. He was confused and started to walk toward the counter, and she just backed away. Now she looked scared. She asked again how he got in. He looked up at the wall behind her where there was a clock, and he started to mutter, What time is it? She then told him he had better leave or she was going to call the police. He stood there for a moment, puzzled, and that's when the girl went into the back room. He could hear her talking to somebody, and as he turned to walk toward the entrance, that's when this big guy came out of the back room, walked around the corner, and, before Gary could say boo, grabbed him by the arm and pulled him toward the entry, unlocked the door and shoved him outside. He told Gary to get out of there and went back inside. Gary stood there looking around, rubbing his head. Then it dawned on him, the time on the clock had read past midnight. He looked back at the theater it had the clothes sign on the front door, and both the girl and the guy were just still there looking at him with a frightened look on their face. All right, and our last little story is about a future city. It all began when Rick and Daisy were going to a friend's house in September. They were driving Rick's beat-up old truck, and the drive had gone smoothly for the first 45 minutes. Suddenly, though, the truck's engine died, and they were stranded on a deserted highway in the middle of the night. 
They were surrounded on both sides of the road by cornfields that stretched into the distance as far as you could see. Rick began a desperate effort to restart the truck and fix the broken engine, because, you know, turning the key 5,000 times fixes things. Anyways, he tried to fix the truck in vain, but nothing seemed to work. Rick finally gave up, and they decided to walk to the nearest town, which was roughly about two miles away, to find a phone so that they could call a friend. Now, of course, this story is before, before we had cell phones, so you know it's in the 70s or the 80s. They walked for what seemed like hours, and the town, well, was nowhere in sight. However, just when desperation was about to grip them, they saw a light, a gloriously bright light shining over the steep hill ahead of them. They ran up that steep hill and were flabbergasted by what they saw. Just over the hill, they saw what could only be described as a futuristic city, with lights streaming out of every window of the massive metallic towers. In the middle of this futuristic city was a huge silver dome. They stared at the city, stunned, until Rick elbowed Daisy and pointed to the sky. Hovering above the city were hundreds of hovercraft. One flew toward them with amazing speed. They were so scared that they took off running back to the broken down truck. They never looked back, but felt like someone was watching them the whole way back. When they got back to the truck, it started without any difficulty, and they took off as fast as they could in the opposite direction. So, this begs to question. Does time flow like a river? Or does it twist and turn going forward, then sleeping back, picking up historic events and placing them down in front of you, if only for a few moments? I guess we'll never know. And with that, we've come to the end of our episode, and I thank you for joining me today. I do hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think happened. And you can always reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you have a suggestion for a future show, or maybe if you've had some time slip and you've heard my future show, tell me what it's about. Or if you just want to tell me what you think, drop me a line. And on that note, that's all the time we have for today. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time. See you next time, my heathens. See you next time. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.